Welcome to MI Insider, a show where Mercer Islanders give their perspectives on issues here at home and across the world. I'm Miles Avales, and my goal is to highlight the people behind the headlines. Now let's get into it. Most of us take sleep for granted. Every night, we go to bed unaware that there's another world stirring as we rest. But for people with insomnia, the night is all too familiar. Lack of sleep can cause frustration for many, and people deal with that in a variety of ways. I had the pleasure of speaking with David King, a Mercer Island resident who deals with his insomnia by walking the streets of Mercer Island in the middle of the night. David's numerous experiences and encounters past midnight reveals that Mercer Island is a completely different place after the sun sets. In David's own words, haunting downtown Mercer Island at night has been a never-ending adventure. My name is Ty King, and through most of my life, I was a television writer down in Los Angeles. And um, I moved up to Mercer Island because we were filming a pilot in Vancouver, had a layover in Seattle, and I I don't even know how I happened on the Mercer Island and the Dragon Park and it was misting. It was wonderful. And I actually called my wife from the Dragon Park and said, we've got to move because I have two sons and I thought I would rather raise them here than down in Los Angeles. So we moved about six months later. Can you tell us when you first developed insomnia? Um, the insomnia started actually when I was writing uh down there because um, in LA for television, sometimes you have a 36 hour deadline or really fast turnaround. Plus also what what stayed is that if I got an idea in my head, I just could not go to sleep because it would run through my head and I would see it. If I tried to go to sleep, it would my head would almost bounce off the pillow. I'd have to get up and start writing again. And so at first it was only like one or one night, occasionally two nights, but it it got worse as it went along. And it's even though I'm not actively writing anymore, uh, it has stayed with me. So so was it like the fear of forgetting what you were going to write? Uh, it, w- it was not the fear of forgetting. It was literally that I was picturing it and I had to write it down and I couldn't stop writing because yeah. uh, I would a scene would run through my head or dialogue and it just didn't stop. So it's sort of like I, I would go to sleep when it was finished. How much sleep do you get on an average night? An average night, probably about about three to four, but the insomnia is actually like consecutive nights with no sleep. So the longest I've ever gone was just over 100 hours, which is four days, four nights, and four hours. Wow. And uh, I only got that because about 98 hours I was getting sleepy, and I thought, no, i got to make two more hours just <laughs> to make 100. Yeah. <laughs> but, for instance, this week, Sunday night, I didn't sleep at all. Monday night, I slept for a little over half an hour, but last night I slept for about five hours, so I'm getting caught up. Yeah. Do you ever get more than five hours? Yeah. At the end, if, if I've been awake for more than two nights, I actually, uh, my wife calls it coma sleep, that I go into a coma, and that can be 15 to 18 hours straight. So. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So how does this inconsistent sleep schedule impact you during the day? Sometimes you're getting like not a lot of sleep. Sometimes you're getting like 15 hours. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, it. it it makes it harder to keep a regular 40-hour week job, but I, I do manage to do it. And the funny thing is, when I'm on an insomnia run, I'm really not tired until whatever it was that was keeping me awake uh, goes away or is finished or whatever. So it's not like I'm nodding off during the day. I'm very energetic. Um, I've been diagnosed over here with bipolar too, manic depression, which uh, it's a manic phase, basically, uh, the insomnia. So um, 
I, I'm not tired. I'm, I'm my reactions because I've been tested are good, so I'm still driving even though some insomniacs can't because their reactions fall. But uh, it doesn't affect me. I don't feel like I've been staying up until I finish the script, finish the story, do whatever I'm doing, and then I feel like I've been up for days, and I go into coma sleep. So, how do you view this? I don't know. I, like, do you, what do you call it? A condition or? It's it's probably about seventy five percent of the television writers that I worked with have the same thing. Uh, they their manic phase is when they write when they're able to produce best. So. Uh, it helped out when I was working down there doing that, and nowadays, quite frankly, I, I like it once I discovered. So you're saying this is really prominent in the industry you come from? Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, probably, it's about 75% of the writers that I've worked with were, have been diagnosed. They're either on the spectrum, on the autism spectrum, or they're manic depressive, or they have something. They, we all have our packet of pills we take first thing in the morning, and that's all prescribed stuff. And so I think it has something to do. I've been told that, uh, like with ADD, helps too, which is another thing that I have. That your mind jumps around in different ways than it does for more pe- most people. So you can come up with an idea that other people wouldn't think of because their mind doesn't jump around there. And so it's it's actually helpful. And I think it's a part. They say artists, a lot of artists, even past artists, great artists, were probably undiagnosed something or other. So, so you're saying this can in some ways be helpful, but for you at this point, would you? Would you consider this something that is like an annoyance? I do almost all my writing now just for myself or, or to put like little things on the website or whatever. But uh, it's it's not an annoyance to me. It's an annoyance to my family because I'm kind of going to be undependable when I go into a coma sleep or whatever. It's it uh, And we never know when it'll hit. So it, in fact, uh, a lot of people also in the TV and film industry have the same thing. When I first was seen, diagnosed, they prescribed meds and the problem was it re- it uh, dampened the creativity. So you have to ask yourself at some point, do I want to get medicated, which will make life better, the world better, or and take a chance that the thoughts won't come, the ideas won't come. So, But now I'm pretty, I have a full slate of meds, but uh, the insomnia is about the only thing that's really left from that. And I've tried every color, shape, and size of sleeping pills. Nothing works. And I've had lots of people give suggestions. It's almost like I'm a challenge. Everyone wants to see if they can be the one that makes me fall asleep, but nothing has ever worked. Yeah. So what what kind of other things besides your writing do you do when you're not sleeping? Well, what I started doing a couple of years ago is I actually just go out and walk up the streets in downtown Mercer Island. I've never lived in a place safe enough to do that before, but actually two, maybe three nights a week, I go out anywhere from one to two o'clock, um, hit the streets of Mercer Island, just sort of walk around aimlessly. Uh, usually anywhere, and I know the steps because I'm playing Pokemon Go at the same time, uh, usually somewhere between 5,000 steps, a few times 16,000 steps, so I can be up, out for two to three hours. What's the best thing you've caught? Uh, <laughs> at, at, at night, it's great because at night, and I'll sometimes see other groups of Pokemon Go players at night, there are more uh, ghost-type and dark-type Pokemon, and so there have been some rare ones, but I've got it says I've caught over one and a half million Pokemon since I started playing, so a little bit of everything. So what motivated you to start doing this when you started, you said, two years ago? Uh, at first at first it started because if I would get a craving at night, the QFC, North End QFC, which was close, uh, was open 24 hours. So I'd just go hit that and get a lot of snacks and then discovered that uh, when I left, I just kind of started wandering around. I would see interesting things going on and so eventually it became now the QFC is closed at 11, so I can't hit it. But uh, 
just as an interesting world. This is such a completely different world out there after midnight. So yeah. Do you want to tell us about some of the things that you see while you're walking at night? Uh, let's see. In addition to like the groups of Pokemon players, and you can always tell them because they're three or four people usually looking at their screens and you'll occasionally hear them go Charizard or, you know, or something like that. Um, I see a lot of, a lot of high school students and, and usually quartets or quintets for some reason, always groups of four or five. And, and they really act, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say energetic because it's like they know for those four, five, six hours that all the olds are asleep, that they kind of run the island. So I think they get out and they enjoy being the kings of the world because <laughs> most of the olds, not me, I'm one of the olds that's off, off pattern, but are asleep. And it's, it's your world then. And it seems pretty great. What do you think that high scores are doing with that time? <laughs> um, I don't know. They don't seem to have many plans, but, but, but they really seem to be enjoying themselves. They laugh a lot. And uh, I, I really don't see like a lot of behavior that I would like frown upon or anything like that because the police here do regular circuits through downtown. But they seem to almost be enjoying getting out into the world that there's not a lot of people. There's, you know, it's it, I think for the same reason I do. And that is there's something nice about when I'm out, the city is mine, not everybody else's. So, yeah. What specifically appeals to you? Like walking during the night versus the day? Uh, a lot of it is actually the writer in me because I see like there's these sweeps. As said, the police go around, they know me really well and they'll actually wave and nod usually when we go past and occasionally they've asked me if I'm having any luck. And by the way, in addition to hatching Pokemon eggs, I've now started sprouting Pikmin. Found just about every game that I get credit for all the steps I'm walking. But uh, I kind of like, it's eerie because it's so quiet. And one of the eeriest things is to see when a, a fire engine or ambulance will take off from the fire station and it's and it the lights are going and everything but it's just dead silent and it feels strange to see fire engines zipping down the road and not a sound i think well there's like waves of things at about one o'clock the trucks all don't think about it but all the supplies have to come in about one o'clock all these big rig trucks and like several of them come in and they're bringing supplies for uh I guess like True Value and Walgreens for uh, Qdoba and Subway for uh, Starbucks and I guess other Starbucks. And they will park along the middle of the road and the guys will roll the things down the ramps. But it's like at about one o'clock, 27th Street in downtown turns into like a pop-up drug, uh, drug, no, sorry, like a pop-up truck stop. And there will be five or six big rigs idling in the middle of downtown uh, Mercer Island. And you'll think about that, but they're there and rumbling and and then they're gone within about an hour. But that's kind of interesting. I see about one o'clock, the Ubers and the Lyfts start coming onto the island. And uh, a lot of them are like businessmen and they'll get out and they'll have their single suitcase on a roller. And they always get to the curb in front of the apartments usually. And their shoulders just drop and it's like, ah, you know, whatever they go in. And also uh, with a lot of the Lyfts, it's, I call them vampires. They're sort of in their little black dresses and their stiletto heels and they're coming home. That's usually about two or three in the morning, and they're kind of like smeared versions of what they were when they started the night, kind of just like smeared and bedraggled or whatever. But uh, they're coming home, and they get out of their lifts of shame or whatever and go back to their apartment. So to me, that just always suggests stories when I see things like that. And I've had some some weird encounters, too, in the middle of the night. So... (laughs) Does does what you see at night ever inspire like what you write? Uh, oh yeah, I've actually had a couple of 
I, I don't uh, really work in Hollywood anymore because it's harder from a distance and everything. But I've written screenplays, short stories, and everything. Uh, these days, I pretty much write for myself. As I said, I did, there's a website that I put weird things on. But to give you just an example of this happened about two weeks ago. I was walking through the parking lot at the McDonald's, and it was there was no one around. And suddenly, like this old man grabbed me by the wrist, had very cold hands. And uh, like really old and very sort of strange. And I didn't know where he came from because I was in the middle of the parking lot and I didn't see him coming. And he, he asked me, he said, have you seen my wife? And I said, I, I, I don't know what she looked like. And he said, her name is Cynthia and she's incredible. And which was very sweet. And but I was sort of snarky. I said, I, I haven't seen any incredible people tonight. <laughs> and um, he said, because we're supposed to meet at the McDonald's. And I said, well, maybe she's confused she went to another mcdonald's he said no because we had a solemn vow that when we died we were going to meet at this mcdonald's and that was like creepy shiver time when we died we we're going to meet here so she he was there to meet her or whatever and uh i asked him i said how long have you been waiting and he said three days which i had been by earlier i hadn't seen him or what have you and so I thought, is this a dead guy who made a deal to meet his, I mean, I don't believe in ghosts, but it was weird. I think he thought, because he said, when we die, we had a vow we were going to meet here. And um, and I told him, I said, well, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for her and let her know you're here. And I was sort of creeped out and I was going to leave. And I remember as I was walking away, he called after me. He said, her name was Cynthia and she was incredible. And I got, I walked for about five minutes and I thought this is probably a guy who one of the assisted living he'd wandered off so I thought I'd better go by and maybe see if I could help him couldn't find him anywhere but so that was kind of like a weird encounter that this old man said that he was there because when he and his wife died they made a vow they would meet there wow uh, so that was <laughs> that kind yeah. of thing happens actually a lot a lot of strange people I mean in the park they play frisbee with uh frisbees with leds on them and it's just a whole other world and I really enjoy that yeah that story you told that's <laughs> That's creepy. <laughs> it, it was creepy because, I mean, when he grabbed me, it's like his hand was really cold. And I don't believe in ghosts or anything, but just at two in the morning to have a man say, have you seen my wife? She was, we were supposed to meet here. Yeah. It was weird to begin with, but I just remember when he said the line, he said, you know, we made a solemn vow that when we died, we would meet up here. And <laughs> yeah, that was just a couple of weeks ago. So our intro students at uh, here at 88.9 The Bridge are actually making ghost stories right now for Halloween that they're telling over the radio. <laughs> um, maybe they could go by um, the McDonald's at 2 a.m. and see if he's there still waiting for his wife. Yeah, so, some um, good inspiration there. <laughs> so when uh, the police first saw you uh, walking around, what did they think? They they tracked me the first couple of nights I was out, but then I think they realized that Pokemon spotted me as a Pokemon Go player, and they know that we're out there. I think they probably have some negative name for us and roll their eyes or whatever but they now accept that we're there and so they don't bother us or anything but at first they followed me for about two or three blocks and then finally pulled up and said so what what you doing out here and it, i remember i know they know about pokemon go players because i said well i said believe it or not i couldn't sleep and i'm playing pokemon go. and they just immediately just okay <laughs> okay we got it good and they said good luck happy hunting and since then since i'm out so often they they do you know they say we nod we whatever so yeah does it ever feel dangerous to be out there other than the ghost thing uh it doesn't feel dangerous i've never felt particularly i met a guy who was really scared to death and this was about a year ago i guess when prc was still open late and i was in at about one o'clock and i went into the doors and he was a small man and he was inside the doors and when the doors opened he looked out in the parking lot like left and right really anxious and then the doors closed and he stayed inside 
And when I was checking out, I saw someone else come in and he did the same thing. He was like looking outside. And so when I went to leave by him, he did the same thing and I asked him, was he waiting for a ride or something? And he had a, a very strong Indian accent. So he wasn't from around here. He said he was staying in a friend's apartment for a week. And he said that on his way to the grocery store, which he wanted to go at night because it was not many people, he said a car was menacing him. That was his word. He said there was a car menacing him. And he was going to wait until he was sure they were gone. And I told him, I said, well, I'm at what apartment? He said, it's called the Mercer. I said, I'm headed that way anyway. I'll walk with you. I said, because maybe cars will menace one old man, but two old men together, they wouldn't dare <laughs> mess with us. And we walked home and he told me about India and everything and why he was there and about his friend. And when we reached the apartment, he said, thank you very much for, for the service. And he gave me a dollar bill. And so I took the dollar. And as I was leaving, he said, how would I contact you if I need to go to the grocery store again? And, and I didn't want to particularly give him my contact number. So I said, you know what? At 1 a.m., I'm always outside the Mercer. If you want to go to the store at 1 a.m., we'll walk together and everything. And three more times that week, we went to the grocery store together and he did his grocery shopping. And and I made three dollars that week, so that was something. <laughs> yeah. But he was really scared of downtown. I think it's nice that I knew enough about Mercer Island to. I don't know what the car did to menace him, but it didn't bother us together. So. So do you mostly stay in areas that are lit up? Uh, I really do loop around downtown. I don't leave downtown because I think I would make if I went into neighborhoods, it would make people nervous to have someone there. And downtown, they're not, and and they're and that's where it's most interesting, and so. Uh, I don't go into dark. Well, I've gone through the park, which is pitch dark at night. And sometimes there are people with telescopes there, the Frisbee players and everything. But mostly I just do a circuit that's just around downtown. So from like uh, the QFC over to the park and then back around the next street and just do circles. And, uh, and that's all I need because everything that's interesting happens there. And it's I'm just sort of looking for a peaceful thing. It is kind of cool when it's all the businesses and it's that peaceful and there's no one there. So I think it wouldn't be as interesting going through a neighborhood if it's quiet because they usually are anyway. So Yeah, might give people a bit of a spook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I don't want them to worry and call the police, and, and I would understand if they would. But uh, but also, there's just so many interesting – I bumped into a woman in a bikini at 3 in the morning. Uh, this was about third, second or third night I was there. And she asked me if I'd seen her friends. Everyone wants to know if I've seen someone they're waiting for. <laughs> and I could tell by the way she talked. She was a little tipsy or whatever, and she had a bikini on. That's all she had on. And she said that she had got separated from her friends who lived on the island. They were going to a pool party at 2 a.m., I guess. And she said she got separated from them and was looking for them. I said I hadn't seen her or whatever. So she started walking along, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to kind of shadow her because a woman, a drunk woman at 2 o'clock in Mercer Island in a bikini might – I don't know what I could do. I mean, maybe if I had my other friend and we could be two old guys, we could have protected her. But uh, she walked along for a while and luckily the police pulled up and talked to her and she got in the car. So they gave her a ride home or whatever. But I was following her just in case, you know, she got into trouble or who knows if she found the pool party, maybe I could finagle an invite to the pool party. So <laughs> that was my thinking. But I mean, there's, there's interesting people at night. What do you think about when you're walking? I'm actually usually not thinking of anything. I'm just watching and, and listening and looking because um, it, it's a writer's sort of mindset that you're always observing and looking for things, looking for sounds, looking for visuals or whatever. So I'm usually not thinking about anything, which helps with the insomnia because usually after I come in from the walk, I can sleep because I cleared my mind and everything like that. So I purposefully try not to think of anything. Do you always see other people out there? Um only once every couple of weeks do I actually talk to someone else. I see 
uh, as I said, there's a lot of high school students around, and they're kind of everywhere. And I see the police occasionally. I've talked, we t- I talk to them. So almost every night I see someone, every couple of weeks talk to someone, and uh, they're just out, I guess, haunting downtown like I am. So occasionally I'll talk to them and get a story like Ghost Man at McDonald's or Bikini Girl or whatever. So. <laughs> Have you met other people that also have insomnia walking, you think? Yeah, a few times I've said, hey, how's it going? And they'll say, you know, you're fine, couldn't get to sleep. And said, same here. But usually those don't turn into conversations because I think that we think that the other person is maybe just wants to be alone and walk around. So, uh, But I've had several people who said, yeah, I couldn't sleep. There's also the dog walkers who, a lot of dog walkers at 2 o'clock, and they're like zombies. They have on their bathrobes and slippers and you look at them and you think they're probably at that moment thinking i wish i were a cat person you know because they're having to go out at two in the morning and and they don't interact at all they look like they're half asleep but there's a lot of dog walkers at two in the morning dogs are probably pestering them in the middle of the night and they just need to (laughs) get them out i think the dogs get to decide when to go out and they just have to do it so yeah absolutely do you ever see like suspicious activities when you're walking uh, I have. I've seen car prowls, and uh, I usually will try and – a lot of car prowls downtown, people just walking in, they'll stop and look into every car. And a few times I have flagged down the police. I mean, I don't ever call them or anything, but I, I know the circuit that they run, and I actually will turn on like my flashlight and my cell phone and wave it, and they'll come up and say, what's going on? And I'll tell them. Uh, I used to see some shoplifting at QFC. Uh, which apparently QFC doesn't care about because every time I would go tell someone, they would say, thank you for calling our attention to that and not do anything. So, yeah. So I'm not sure why that was exactly, but I guess that it's just part of doing business. But they, I I would tell them there's someone over there, you know, on the snack aisle or whatever. I don't go anywhere near the liquor aisle. Maybe they would do something if people were stealing liquor, but um, they usually just say, thanks for calling it to our attention and go back to whatever they were doing. Have you, like, developed any relationships with anyone else like you've seen out in Mercer Island? Other than the guy that I watched at the QFC three times. A lot of the yeah. night workers at QFC, I used to, yeah, uh, we knew each other and we would talk every night and they'd say, how's it going? I would I'd talk to them for a while. But since the QFC is closed, not really, I think there's, it's called Jackson's, I think the little mini mart by a Chevron. And there's a guy in there, but I, I don't talk to him because I think he's nervous. Every time the door opens, I think he's nervous, which, you know, maybe I could understand that if I were alone at a, you know, mini mart at 2 a.m. Yeah. every time the door. But I sense every time the door opens, he tenses a little. So I don't want to bother him or make him nervous. And I mean, he knows me now and everything. And I always first thing in say good morning or whatever, because I figure that if someone's going to rob him, that they're probably going to start by saying good morning. And if I'm wearing a mask, which I sometimes do, I. I take it off immediately as soon as I get in. So, yeah, that's it's probably one of the scarier jobs you could have. You always see on the news like those people getting held up in the middle of the night. Yeah, I, it's not a job I would like to do. I mean, it, but I, you just can see it if you walk in. You see him jerk a little or whatever, or if he's looking the other way. And I, I don't want to add to that. So, uh, but not a lot of I think a lot of people who I see at night have their own thing going on. I mean, obviously, high school students don't want to talk to the old man walking around at night. And I guess only the ghosts and the drunk girls in bikinis want to talk or visitors who are scared. But other than that, people, I think, at night assume other people want their space. And I think the dog walkers are usually half asleep. So, But it's, it's a very solitary world. It's not a place to go to, like, develop relationships or anything. It's, it's more to observe. What times are people most active at night? Um, 
it, it usually it maxes out about midnight and it's mostly dog walkers and the Ubers coming and Lyfts coming home, which is about two or three, uh, but mostly around midnight and it slowly tapers off from there. So after that, it's quieter and everything. It's it's all, the weird thing about another weird thing besides the, not hearing any sirens with the fire engines is I always think, you know, they're going or ambulance. I always think, oh, man, middle of the night and they're going to something and that that kind of bums me out but uh but it's around four o'clock i don't see anyone anymore so that's usually when i think people if they're going to get out they've gotten out and gone back so because it's it's around four o'clock i've sometimes gone out at four and it's strange because there's no one there and it's this world i know and i always feel like i'm not supposed to be out there i feel like maybe i'm the it'll, I'm the only one who didn't hear everybody else got the message that Godzilla is coming <laughs> or aliens or zombies or something. And I'm the only one still out because everyone else <laughs> knows better and is locked up in their homes. So, but it, it is a weird feeling that I'm not supposed to be there because no one else is there then. So, yeah. I mean, if you're up at 4 a.m. in the morning, it's like you're probably, you're not going to be getting any sleep that night. <laughs> <laughs> True. It's too late to go home. Well, I used to all night when I had insomnia, sort of like at two o'clock, I would, I think there was a commercial, something like this. I would say, I, if I fall asleep now, I can still get four hours sleep. And then about three o'clock, I, I can still get three hours sleep. And then I, if I fall asleep right now, I can still get two. And finally, like 30, it's, it's amazing the number of times I fall asleep 30 minutes before the alarm, though. <laughs> I, I don't know what it is about that, but boy, I can fall asleep 30 minutes before the alarm but not before, so. That's funny. What's your schedule usually like on nights that you do go out? I usually go out between one and two, and I a few times uh, have stayed out until the sun rises because that can be pretty too, but uh, usually I, sometimes earlier, uh, but usually at midnight, if I'm still awake, I still believe I can fall asleep so I don't go out, but uh, usually one or two, I hit the streets and I'm in by 3, 3.30, sometimes till sunrise, sometimes till 4. But because things like slow down to a crawl at about 4, I usually think, okay, I've gotten all I can out of this experience. So time to head back in. Are there any like final stories or like thoughts you'd want to share? It's it's funny because it's like I, I would recommend people do it to see the city at night, to see things like all the deliveries coming in and to see that the police are out there and to see that the, but I don't want I don't want to share the street, so I wouldn't want to say everyone should go out and do it at least once. But it is the most peaceful time of every part of my day is to go out and and to do that. And it's pretty and it's different. And uh, there are people who I do have contact with who I probably would never see otherwise. And they're interesting people almost always. So um, it's it, it is peaceful. I think that I couldn't live without it, even if I. Uh, the insomnia were to go away, I think I would still occasionally make a, a, an appointment to do it because, I mean, stars are out the, and everything like that. It's just beautiful and peaceful, and and it, it it's just Mercer. It, I almost don't recognize Mercer Island at night because it has such a different feel. So I also know that so many stores leave their open signs on all night, which is kind of funny, the neon open signs, and it looks like half of Mercer Island is still open, but I think they just forget. Yeah, that sounds sounds really nice. I would go for it. I would try it maybe at some point. But then again, my parents probably wouldn't be too happy about that. <laughs> I can see that. I mean, to, to walk by the park and see Frisbees with LEDs flying is, is something, it's just sort of a visual that you won't get anywhere else and, and everything. So it's, and the world is never as quiet as it is at two in the morning. So yeah, I guess I gotta, guess I gotta sneak out then. <laughs> <laughs> I did that a couple of times. I didn't have insomnia, so I didn't even have that excuse, but yeah. 
done it, and I'm sure my sons have done it. So <laughs> I try not to think about it, but yeah, I, I would recommend it at least once because it's a great experience. Thank you so much, David, for coming on the show to talk to us. Definitely one of the most fascinating interviews I've ever done. For more great stories from local residents, tune into MI Insider every Thursday at 7 a.m. or as a podcast so you can listen on demand. But for now, keep listening on 88.9 The Bridge.